0: A lot of times, um, we can look at the world and say, "Like, okay, God, what do you, what are you thinking?" Um, you know, like, what does God think about? Um, in fact, um, uh, the the philosopher Plato actually posed this question famously. He says, "What does God think about?" If we're talking about an eternal, omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful God, right? What does what does God think about? And uh, you know, so. It becomes an interesting question because you, you have to think that there's a lot of things that go on in my life, and there's a lot of things that go on you know in this world, and I think like what does what does God think about this you know, and you know things happening to me that are maybe outside of my control, what does God think about this? you know if there is no God, right, we can go to the extreme and say there's no God, he's not thinking about you or or there is a God and and they're not thinking about you then then everything that happens to me is 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 really emptiness like there's there's you live. You die, right? And there's nothing after that, nothing in between that, because if God doesn't care about you, or isn't thinking about you, then, then we're just these kind of like things thrown in this machine of, of the universe, which is actually a very common thought out there today. But luckily, thankfully, we know that there is a God and we know his thoughts. And so today we're going to be talking about like the scripture. And we're going to be talking about what God has thoughts about us, about the universe. Uh, we have this gift of, of scripture. Um, and so we have um, thoughts about us. We know that even though we're going through difficult times, I mean, these years have gotten crazier and crazier. I remember when um, 2020 was over, like, oh, good, we're done with 2020. And then you know, 2021, 2021 came around like, whoa, what's going on? And now it's just like, it seems like it's getting crazier and crazier. So I need to know, like, God, what's going on. Uh, and the, the uniqueness of us is, is kind of amazing, right? God thought about each one of you. He, he thought about me before the universe was ever created, right? Uh, it says uh, in Ephesians, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Uh, he knew us before we were born, right? It says he says, uh, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made in psalms. He knows us right now, right? It says uh, in Luke, uh, it says, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are, more value, you, you are of more value than any of the sparrows. Of course, in my case, that's maybe an easier thing. I used to think about this verse and like, God's looking down and counting, counting hairs, but, you know, it's as the aid, Ray knows what I'm talking about. Um, uh, and then uh, he, he knows our future, right? All the stuff that's going to happen today, tomorrow, until, we, you know, to the end, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is in Jeremiah, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So God is thinking about you guys a lot. And it's, um, so the creator of the universe knows everything about me, things that, I, the things that tear me down, the things that I want to hide from him, things that I'm ashamed of, things that I'm proud of, things that I think are positive. He knows all these things about me. And he loves me so much. and He loves you so much. Um, so we know all of this about God because of scripture. Because I can read in this revelation these things that talk about God, written by the Holy Spirit which has been the subject of our series so far Uh, and um, so so far in regards to the Holy Spirit we've discussed the promise of the Holy Spirit the the power of the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit and now we're going to talk about the agency of the Holy Spirit which is scripture this is how uh, the Holy Spirit operates through his scripture so continuing in Acts we'll see a spirit and scripture filled church Facing more trials. Last week we talked about the trial of um, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. And then this week we're going to talk about more trials that the church is facing. And the only way that they overcome these trials is by being filled with both the Spirit and the Scripture together. Knowing um, God and operating in the power of God. And that's the type of church we're called to be here. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you this morning. We thank you so much for bringing us here, Lord. Lord, we want to be um, people of the book, Lord. We want to be uh, your people filled with your spirit, filled with your scripture, Lord. We just pray that um, as, as we go through your word this morning that, uh, that it would impact us, Lord. It would be embedded in our hearts, written. Um, and uh, that it would just... It would fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So the Holy Spirit is the author of all scripture. Um, Just like last week we talked about the personality of the Holy Spirit is a person, now the Spirit is, uh, being used, uh, is happy to be used as a method of communication of God's will. Uh, and by, by that, what I mean is we've got three persons in the Trinity, right? We've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each three has a unique personality. Each three is operating together uh, in this beautiful dance. In fact, uh, the Church Fathers called it the Divine Dance, uh, the the word for it in the Greek is perichoresis, which I won't say again. But uh, it's about um, giving space. It's like when you have that really good relationship with somebody and you're like, hey, uh, you know, they, they give you space to be you and you give them space to be them, right? It's that kind of, that back and forth of like, of 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 just love for the other person that you can they can be themselves with you and you can be yourself with them and they give glory to you they give you a chance to shine and then and you give them a chance to shine so this kind of this this idea of of how this operates is that um, it's almost like if you can imagine. In, in my head I had this picture of like three strands of like a ribbon, right, just spinning together where it's like at one point it's one color, at another point it's another color, and it just keeps changing, and they're all working together to make this beautiful painting. Um, so in, in um, John 17, 1, it says, uh, Father, you know, Jesus is praying, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. In that way, um, uh, Jesus is saying, God, glorify me, and I, I, w- I want to glorify you. Uh, and then in John sixteen fourteen, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, and the Father glorifies the Son again. So this loving relationship within the Trinity uh, is the result of the persons of the Godhead living together to glorify one another. And that's why the Holy Spirit, who has a personality of his own, is eager to tell you all about Jesus and God. Right? Because he's... In, he's in love with Jesus and God, the Father, Jesus and the Father, and they are in love with him. Um, so that, which is also amazing because what that tells me is that love was, love isn't a, a created thing. Love is an eternal thing. And so that God didn't say, let there be light, let there be love. <laughs> love was preexistent. And so when we look at, like, the purpose of Scripture, it's God's love poured out. And the purpose of Scripture, it says in 316, is for teaching, reproof, correction, and training of righteousness. Those four things are what we're looking for in Scripture, right? Teaching means defining the truth. What is the truth? It's defined in Scripture. This is the truth. This is the, this is the um, thing you should know. And then correction, exposing the false lies. Like, this is this is a true belief. This is a false belief. If you hold on to a false belief, it's dangerous. You want to hold on to the truth tightly. Uh, and then for reproof, for leading us to repentance. So I've held on to a false belief. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. The Bible says this is the wrong thing. The, the Bible is there to point those things out to me and to lead me to repentance, to stop doing those things. And then for, for training for righteousness, to, how to resist Temptation, how to resist the desire to, 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 to fall into unrighteousness, to step into sin. So those four things are laid out in Scripture. So we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with Scripture. So now, getting into the, into the Church of Acts and how they dealt with all these things, Remember in 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 Acts two forty two when we went through it, it's right after Pentecost. They said, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, uh, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So they continued to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the scriptures. That's what they were devoted to daily. Because they eat every day. <laughs> um, so. It's important to note that God didn't give us scripture. The Holy Spirit didn't, we don't have scripture just for that point of conversion and then we're done with it. It's not, it's not meant to be that book that's on the shelf that's getting dusty or the app on your phone that never gets opened except for a Sunday morning, right? We are called to be in the, in the scripture daily and it's important. We're going to see why it's important because this church right off the bat started off this way and now they're hitting trials. They're hitting difficulties. They're hitting things that are coming up that are Satan wants to destroy this church. But they're going to they're gonna last through it because of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Uh, in the Gospel primary, Milton Vincent says, God did not give us his gospel just so we could embrace it and be converted. Actually, he offers it to us every day as a gift that keeps on giving to us everything we need for life and godliness. Or to um, put it another way, King David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? We need, for, for the times that we can't reach for a Bible, we need that word ready. For the times that somebody has a question, we need that Bible ready, and it has to be here. Right? For the times that, God, what are you thinking? We need that Bible here. So if the church of Acts did not devote themselves daily to to prayer and to to the scriptures, all of what follows next would have been the end of the church. A simple thing would have happened. and Anything that that Satan could have tried would have destroyed them because they wouldn't have been grounded in the truth. So let's go ahead and take a look at Acts chapter 6. verse. um, We'll go 1 through 7. The first problem that comes up. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. What they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, and a proselyte uh, proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests Became obedient to the faith. Um, so now the church has been around for maybe a few months at this point, and there's already factions forming. There's always there's already this: we're the Hellenists, they're the others, or we're the Hebrews, they're the Hellenists. There's these these groups that are that are forming, that are separating. Like I'm, and to be to be clear that these are all Jews. The this or. Uh, they're in Jerusalem. They're all Jews. Some just happened to, to be more at ease with Greek culture. They might have uh, uh, grown up around uh, the uh, uh, in in a Greek cultured city. The Hebrews would have been grown up in a Hebrew cultured city. Uh, but they were finding ways to be upset with each other. And I think if I look at like a modern day, because I was trying to go through my head like, how do I associate that? I you know, I I'd see a greek jew doesn't really mean much to me but i think like modern days we might say like a conservative or a progressive christian or we might say like uh you know you could start to lay out all these things where we find places where we can separate ourselves from each other where we can say well you know i like this guy but they don't agree with me on this thing like there's there's this otherness and so they've they've found a point of dissension a point where satan could try to find a foothold and get in and separate the church and say look they're Complain. You're not getting what you want out of this thing. These sorts of things. Nowadays, though, um, they only had one church to go to, so they couldn't really go to the next church down the street. Nowadays, you can just go to the next church down the street. Or form your own church. Uh, I mean, I've read about churches that have been formed because people didn't like the color of um, the choir uniforms or didn't like the music or didn't like the whatever it is, and they just went and formed their own church. Well, they didn't have that option here. Uh, because the, the apostles were at one church. Um, but the, uh, the, the the crazy thing when you think about this is even though they were finding ways to be other, above all that, they were all called to be Christians, like Hebrew, Hellenist, whatever, you're, you're, you're a Christian. And so the apostles are seeing through this, right? They're... Uh, the rather than saying, "Oh, well, you know, let's let's figure this out, guys. Okay, how much are you giving the Hellenists, and how much are you giving the Hebrews, and are we are we sure we're we're trued up here? What's going on?" They say they say, "Hold on, let's go to the church and let's find men who are called to do this." And there there's some very specific requirements they have for these men: one, that they're the, they're of good repute; two. That they're full of the spirit, and three that they're full of wisdom, the scripture, right? That they would be these, that would they would be practically um, minded, spiritually minded people. That these were the seven people that uh, that the apostle said, "Okay, church, you've got a problem. Find these people." Um, and it's it's important to, to to note that even though they're saying like, "Hey, find these people," so we can continue preaching the word. They weren't saying preaching the word is more important than these practical needs that's not actually anywhere there in the, in the scripture but what they're saying is that we need to continue what we're doing and there are people that God has called to fill this need so let's find them and then um, so what they were looking for right the fruit of the spirit in Galatians is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control and it says against such things there is no law find the right people for this um we are called to be filled with the spirit and filled with scripture so it's great that they found these people like i wonder you know like what um you know what would what would have been like if they if they couldn't find these but how they found these were were people who, like i said who were filled with this devoted to the scriptures daily um and it makes me wonder what you know, what maybe I'm filling my life with, if not daily the scriptures, you know, what is going on um, in our lives that would mean like if this call came out that we couldn't step up, like what, what would stop me from being the being able to be there? Because I've been there in my life, you know, I at one point um, um, at w- one point in my life I was super addicted to this video game. I won't mention it because it'll make me sound old, but I was super addicted to this video game. And um, I would, you know, being a software engineer, I, I would play the game at work. I wouldn't work. Then I'd go home and I'd, I'd, I'd play the game all night to the early morning, and then I'd get up and go to work and do the same thing, and I did this. And it got to the point where I used to go to church, the church I was going to, I used to go, they had something every night except Monday. For some reason, the staff needed a break. Uh, so, but I was, it didn't matter. I was there every night until I started playing this game. And, and and God called me out for it because he was like, you see what you've sacrificed? You see what you've let go? You've let go time with me, time with your people for this thing. Um, in Matthew, uh, Jesus says, for your, where, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Am I treasuring the scripture in my heart? Am I treasuring God in my heart? Or was I treasuring this game? I was treasuring this game. But all that did, you know, all that does, all these distractions, all these things that come in that we that we fill our lives with, that, that, uh, that we can sacrifice our time with, with God for, they prepare us for the wrong things. Like I said, this is the first difficulty, and they, they are able to find men to serve because they have been, these men have been investing in the scripture, investing in the Holy Spirit. They have been... Preparing for that time, I've, um, um, so, uh, a couple years ago, um, I, I was, I must have been 230, 250 pounds, it was, I was huge, uh, I can show you pictures, uh, and then, uh, I, I kind of realized that, uh, I, I started looking around for ways to lose weight, to get healthy, and, um, I started, uh, I started a weight loss program, and I realized as I was in this weight loss program that it was, although the goal was, you know, I want to lose weight. I'd like to lose all this weight tomorrow. I'd like to lose this weight tomorrow. But um, I, I realized that it, it was all in the small decisions I made in life. It wasn't the big decisions. Like, I couldn't make a big decision and just say, okay, well, I've decided to lose weight, guys. That wouldn't work. But I can make a small decision and say, you know what, I'm not going to have that, <laughs> that piece of cake today. I can make a small decision right now Right, so like if, if you're if you're if you're like me and you're like, I wanna I wanna spend more time in scripture. Make a small decision. Make it into a small decision. I'm going to spend thirty minutes today, right now, in scripture, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is, in scripture. Invest in that for tomorrow. Um, so as we look at these names that the church found, they found seven people that that, that fit this this um criteria right good repute full of wisdom and full of the spirit all seven are greek names Uh, they're in jerusalem so there's there's probably i mean we're guessing here but there's probably more hebrews than there are greek uh, jews in this church but the seven they choose are all hebrews and that's the entire church that came together and i don't think that at all was overcorrecting. I don't think they were thinking, oh, okay, well, the, the, the Greeks are having a problem, so let's find Greeks to, to serve the Greeks because, you know, I, that wasn't in their requirements. The apostles didn't say, find me these, you know, good repute, full of spirit, full of wisdom, and Greek, right? No, they didn't say that. They said, find these three people, find these three, find seven of these men with these three things. Um, the whole church was invested in the unity of the church, the whole church cared, right? And they found these, these men that God had been preparing for this role here. Um, and then in 7, it says, God's word increased. The disciples increased, and a great many priests came to know. Uh, and uh, in Isaiah 55, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God's scripture has a purpose in our lives, and uh, we see that poured out into these guys. They had been studying God's word, and the purpose for that was to, to prepare them for this service, to prepare them for the hard times. So it's crazy that you know, in the face of uh, oppositions, God opposition God's. Uh, word is increased. I was recently asked by a friend uh, about my opinion on a topic. In fact, they asked me, one, what's your opinion on this? Two, what does the Bible say about this? And three, what does the church say about this? And I thought, my God, what an amazing way to ask that question. Because I've spent enough time on YouTube to be an expert on anything. I can, have, I can give you any opinion you want. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 But is it couched in what the Bible says? Does the church believe this um, and so it made me realize that if 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 I didn't agree with all three of those things that i was i was I was a hypocrite like if all three of these things didn't line up, then I was just being a hypocrite and so what I had to do was unpack that in reverse order. I needed to start with the Bible, make sure that my opinion either changes right now or is 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 satisfied with that. And three, make sure that I see that in in, in the church. Uh, and so, and that all starts with knowing God's thoughts on the subject being centered on the word of God. So let's go into six eight. It says, and Stephen, full of grace was, uh, and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those uh, from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not stand they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said. We have heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God and then stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place. And the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Not only did the scripture unify the church; the scriptures unifying the opposition too. Uh, it's interesting that, um, and that's because it's the truth, right? Truth demands a reaction. Truth demands a response, um, and either you accept the truth or you fight it. Uh, I was listening to an interview with a famous MMA fighter, and she was saying that before she started doing MMA, she went into a gym, and it was her boyfriend wanted to get like lessons on like Muay Thai fighting so she goes into this gym and the owner of the gym says oh no 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 you're fat like not like stop you know you can't be in here but like the uh, the the, what she read that as is this is a bad thing and and I'm here to help you it was the truth she knew it she was fighting it well not fighting it but um, she had a few options she could get offended and leave she could uh, decide to do something about it uh, or or I guess in a third option, she could start a Twitter campaign and, and say like, this is, don't go to this gym. Um, she, in her own words, described all these things that she was going through in this interview. And uh, then she said that she responded, she immediately signed it up for 20 lessons. She's like, She wanted to be someplace where people were going to tell her the truth. This guy had nothing to gain. In fact, if he had offended her and she left, he would have lost all of her business, right? He had nothing to gain by talking to her about this. But it was the truth that she needed to face to deal with. And uh, she became a world-famous MMA fighter. Um, So we see that the truth convicts us. Ephesians describes the, the the word of God as a two-edged sword, right? When I think about a two-edged sword, there's, there's the safe part to hold and then the rest of it's not safe to hold, right? So, uh, and I think about that and I, I know that it's, it's meant as an offensive weapon, but when I ever think of, whenever I think about something that has two edges, I think that thing can cut me as well as it can cut you, right? I think about, you know, don't point your finger at me because you got three pointed at you. I got, there's like this two-way thing going on. And sometimes, and a lot of the times, I need the scripture to cut to my heart. I need that to dig in at times. Um, Like a surgeon cutting away a tumor, I need God's word to remove the sin, the lies, the false belief, all the things that it promises to do. So if God is speaking the truth to your life, don't, don't resist it. It's interesting in 610 that this entire group of people couldn't stand up to one person who was filled with uh, the Holy Scripture and the Holy Spirit, right? Um, Charles Spurgeon, when speaking about how he defends the Scripture, defends the faith, he says the Word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. You just have to let it out of its cage, right? Right? So if the only way that I can do that is by knowing it, by living it, by having it in my heart. Otherwise, you know, having a discussion with somebody about, about uh, the Bible, having a, if you've ever done street evangelism and you say, like, hold on, let me look that up in the Bible, you've lost the person because you're not speaking from what's in here, you're speaking from what's here. And it has to be here if you want to actually talk to somebody about it. What's also amazing in this picture is how gentle I think Stephen is. In fact, later when he's defending himself before the Supreme Court of the, uh, the Jews, the Sanhedrin, uh, he's going he's gonna to call the men, brothers, and fathers. Right. This whole time he's, just, he's, he's laying out the truth, but it's all in love. I've seen Christians do the opposite. I've seen Christians lay out the truth, or at least what they perceived as the truth, and have zero love in it. Uh, we're going to get to a guy like that at the end of this chapter. Um, Saul, uh, but, you know, without, without, if you have that uh, truth and you don't have the love, it's not applied correctly. In fact, Paul, who Saul becomes, uh, says that's like a loud clashing symbol, right, noise that just hurts your ears. So a life filled with scripture reflects Jesus, Right. It says that the only response that they have to his truth, to what Stephen is saying, is lies. And that should sound very familiar, because when Jesus was in a similar situation, they couldn't find anything against him. All they could come at him with was lies. It's, I think at the end of, this, of that section, it's, it's also interesting that they say, like, uh, he had the face of an angel... And I don't know, I don't think they were saying he had a baby face so much as like there was a peace about him, you know, that, that, that Stephen had because he knew the truth. When you know the truth, you're, you're not really striving for it. You're just like, this is the truth. So he had the perfect peace and confidence of one that knows and trusts God. His face reflected that glory. So we are called to be filled with spirit and filled with scripture. And now we're going to get it in the next chapter. Now, this is, there's going to be 50-some-odd verses. We're not going to go verse to verse to verse here as we go through this. Um, I would encourage you to kind of do that on your own, but uh, let's take a look at the first two. It says uh, in 7-1, And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So the next 51 verses, Stephen is going to lay out a defense. Uh, in, uh, so we are called to defend the Scripture, but like I said, that's simply speaking the truth in love. So uh, in in 1 Peter 3, it says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as always being Prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it in gentleness and respect. And this is a perfect picture of what Stephen's going to do for the next few verses. He's going to lay out their history. They've accused him of blasphemy. They've accused him of, of denying uh, Scripture, Moses. They've accused him of wanting to destroy the temple. He's going to uh, tell, he's going to, to find all the common places. He's going to say, No, no, this is what Moses did. This is what uh, Joseph did. These are what the prophets did. He's going to lay out all those things and because he knows scripture. Remember, this dude's been a Christian for two months, one month, right? But he has the Holy Spirit in him. He's filled himself with scripture. And so he's able to lay out these things, like, look, this is it, and then connect it to Jesus, which is the big one, right? Because so, um, all scripture is about Jesus, So if we look at verse 51 and 53. There we go. (laughs) Uh, You stiff-necked people, uh, uncircumcised in hearts and heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered you received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it he basically called him fat um you know he says like look your whole history that you're holding on to you're saying look I'm a Jew I'm I believe this thing and because I'm a descendant of this I'm i I have some special righteousness upon me. But if you actually looked honestly at your history, you would see that you've been denying God's word all throughout your history. And he sent messengers and messengers and messengers and finally sent his own son and you denied him. Um, So, all that, uh, if you... um, Jesus even said it this way. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So when we approach the scripture, like I said, daily as we continue, as we dig into this, we have to approach it honestly. Like I said, we have to let this change us. We have to let this speak to us. If I have a wrong opinion, a wrong feeling, a wrong whatever, I need to be able to be changed by this. And then, like I said, each of us needs to be writing this on our hearts. And so like God could be using somebody else to speak to you in that way. God could be talking to you in a way that's well, what about this thing? And you have to stop and say, well, what about that thing? You know, growing up in the church, I have a lot of misconceptions that came along with me, a lot of things that were tradition that weren't even biblical. And so when I would go to another church and somebody would say, well, we, we don't do that this way, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, why not? That's, that that's what that's how you do church, right? You do this thing in this manner. And instead, uh, I had to go to the scripture and say, okay, God, I have this idea of who you are. I have this idea of who your people are supposed to be. Is it here? So all scripture is about Jesus. Um, so they respond. 54, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him, but he And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Fell asleep is a euphemism, for he died. I don't know if you guys have ever been so angry you've seen red. I have, like once or twice in my life. And there's absolutely no control over it. Uh, many years ago, not recently, just so you guys know uh, but i 've been to that point where it 's been oh so angry that I literally saw red that 's where these guys are at that there 's no you can 't even hear any literally i couldn 't hear anything i couldn 't see anything all I saw was red uh, and it's a it 's a really scary place to be uh, but that 's what these these guys in fact, they reach out and they stuff things in their ears because they 're so tired of hearing it um, Stephen's response to this is amazing. He doesn't even, doesn't even acknowledge that as they're, they're killing him, he's praying for them. Again, this should sound really familiar if you're familiar with the gospel story. Jesus on the cross did what for his, the people who were, uh, who were accusing him, the people who were killing him? He prayed for them. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Stephen says something very similar here, right? Forgive them. Don't count this against them. Like I said, if you fill, your, fill yourself with the Bible, fill yourself with the Scripture, fill yourself with the Spirit, you might be, it sounds trite, but you might be the only, only Bible that somebody ever sees. You might be facing some difficulty. You might be going through this, and they, they know you. Uh, you know you, How you react, who you are inside at that core is what people are going to see, and that, we want that to reflect Jesus. We want that to reflect God's Word and he is glorified through that. So I don't know. You might be looking at Stephen's situation and thinking, like, well, how would I react in that situation? Like I'm being falsely accused, brought before the Supreme Court, uh, false. You know, people are lying about me. Uh, I and then they're gnashing their teeth. They're throwing stones. They want to kill me. And what a brutal way to die, like a bunch of people throwing rocks at you? Like, that's, that's not an easy way to die, right? Um, so, like, I remember reading Jeremiah 29 when I was growing up, where Jeremiah says, if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more, he's in jail at this time, if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones and i am weary with, with with and i'm weary with holding it in and i cannot jeremiah was so filled with the spirit so filled with the scripture that he couldn't hold it inside of him he said it was like he was on fire inside dealing with this another way to say it is out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks if you've been around me uh, for any amount of time, you know that when I speak to you, if I'm really excited about something, I've I mentioned it two or three times within the same conversation. Oh, did you hear about this? And then we, we'll talk and you'll say, oh, yeah, I know about this. And then like a few minutes later, I'll forget. I'll say, oh, did you hear about this? And and uh, it's, it's something I actively try to fight against because I get so overly excited about something. I can't stop talking about it. Uh, and... Uh, the only way you get there with scripture is by you just putting it in your heart getting excited about it putting it in your heart and living it and so that it's something that bubbles out you can't hold it in anymore you have to you know that that excitement the same excitement you might find of like uh whatever it is if we can if we can have that for the word of god how amazing would it be we would never stop talking about him right um As I said, we're, we're called to be filled with the Spirit and Scripture. Because you notice, as I, as I mentioned before, who's here? This, this dude named Saul, right? He's there, and he's full of the Scripture. He knows the Scripture. In fact, we, he shows up later, right? Paul writes, you know, half the New Testament. Uh, he's there, and he's acknowledging that this is good. You guys are doing a good thing. He's full of the scripture, but he's not full of the spirit, right? There's there's a difference there. Paul later on writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the the righteous shall live by faith. There's a distance here between... um, Saul, sitting there and uh, acknowledging, yeah, you're, you're doing a good thing, to Saul, to Paul, the apostle, saying that the gospel is what it's all about, guys. Right? There's a distance there. And what it is is um, he gets filled with the Spirit. So John Piper put it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. Therefore, it is true and altogether reliable. It is powerful, working its purpose in our hearts and not returning empty to the one who sent it. It is pure like silver refined in a furnace seven times. It is sanctifying. It gives life. It makes wise. It gives joy and promises great reward. It gives strength to the weak and comfort to the distraught and guidance to the perplexed and salvation to the lost. The wisdom of God in Scripture is inexhaustible. So Jesus said, um, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So as we've been talking about putting the word, we said it's the truth, it's for good for correction, uh, those other three things um reproof um, training that uh, that is uh, that is what we need in our hearts to set us free, and that is uh freedom from our false beliefs, freedom from the slavery of the word world wants to offer freedom from uh all these uh things in our lives that want to take over it's It's the word of God. Uh, So here's the truth. God loves you whether you're a Christian or not today. He does. He sent his eternal son to take your death penalty, to, to die for you because you deserve death. He loved you before the universe was made. He loved you before you were born. He loves you now and he loves you in the future. That love is eternal. It was never created. It won't be taken away. He loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So when when we say like, what does God think about? God thinks about you and He loves you. And there's 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 a whole books about it. Let's uh, let's go ahead and pray, Dear Heavenly Father. We just wanna. Come before you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your thoughts, Lord. We are undeserving, Lord. We just pray that, Lord, we want, we want to be people of the book, Lord. We want to be filled with your spirit and filled with your scripture, Lord. We want to be ready uh, as trials come in, no matter how crazy they get. We want inside of our heart your word inscribed upon it, Lord. We want, we want other people to see that and glorify you, Lord, we want our lives to just just be different because we've embedded your word, your truth, Lord, the truth, into our hearts. And we just uh, we pray for that, Lord, that we would live not as hypocrites, Lord, that we would live oh, just so in love with you because you're so in love with us. In Jesus' name, amen.